I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Today, we're going to welcome to the podcast, Krista Grasso. Krista is a serial entrepreneur, international lean business consultant, coach, and accessory brand owner. Oh, accessory brand owner. I did not read that part earlier. I was like, oh, pretty things. Um, as a creator of both the Lean Out Method and the 90-Day Lean Out Planner, Krista has been helping businesses achieve accelerated results and increase profitability for two decades. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, I, I actually have, I have a lot of questions for you um, today, <laughs> just because, you know, this is, some, this is something near and dear to my heart. This is what I talk to my business owners about. Um, you know, it's just, I just love this stuff. So um, first question though, what was your first job? Oh, that's a good question. So I actually managed a bakery. <laughs> I worked at a awesome. grocery store and I started out at the checkout counter, you know, checking people out. But then I, uh, I moved on to the bakery department and I used to make wedding cakes and uh, bake all of the desserts. That's very creative. Yeah. Is it creative? creative. <laughs> but also like you have to manage stuff. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was fun. You know, 16 years old managing people my age now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. I, uh, I used to wait tables and then I would be like run sections or like, I would like, you know, be the head and everybody's like, she's like 19. And I'm like, you know, get to the level. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so give us the rundown on your career journey. How did you get to, you know, creating the lean out method? Yeah. So I, um, like a lot of people, right. I went to college while I was in school. I started off as a fine art major and I knew I wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I knew I wanted to have my own business. And so as I was getting closer to graduation, I started thinking to myself, you know, I really should probably learn something about business. If I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, I should really figure this out. So I ended up switching majors. I ended up graduating with a business degree and I, I was going to work for a few years, um, just to pay off the college loans and then build up my business on the side. And so I ended up starting working with a company and they had wanted me to start right away. And the only way that I could do that was to come in as a consultant. And I didn't actually know what consulting was at the time, but I said, sure, it was a great paying job. It sounded interesting. So I took that on. And a lot of what the company did was lean. And so I ended up getting introduced to a few things just kind of by happy accident, if you will, is consulting, um, which I still do to this day, 20 something years later. Um, and also lean, which I completely fell in love with and have used that in various capacities all throughout um, my journey. Mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, I did build my business on the side. I ended up building a jewelry business. And I started off as a handcrafted little local jewelry business. I did the craft fair route and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then at some point I said, I want to do a real large, you know, global accessory brand. And so I ended up launching what today is Chris Cara. And throughout that journey and throughout that process, that was where the lean out method really ended up becoming born because I made a lot of mistakes with that business in, in full transparency, right? I had just had this little handmade business. Then I launched this big, huge global accessories brand. And I just, I scaled too far too fast. Mm -hmm. I invested way more money than I needed to into products that never sold. Um, <laughs> you know, I made things way harder than they needed to be. I definitely took on way too much. 
And while I was struggling in my own business and I was having my sales reps in my showrooms telling me, you know, you've got to make these big changes. You should move production to China, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to keep it all in the U.S. While I was going through all this, I was getting my clients that I was consulting with these absolutely amazing results. Mm -hmm. And it struck me, why am I not using lean in my own business? And that was where I had actually created it more out of a need because I did not want to take production to China. I wanted to keep everything in the U.S. And I wanted to make sure I could keep the quality of my product. And I wanted to really streamline what I was doing. So I said, let me apply what I'm doing with the companies I'm consulting with to my own business. And I had a lot of success and results with that. Started working with other fashion and accessory brands. And then now I primarily work with coaches and consultants and service providers providers. Um, so I've taken lean and kind of applied it to that space and that, uh, that type of, of company now as well. I love how you said, Oh, I'm helping all these other people do the thing and I'm not doing it for myself. Cause it's all of our stories, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like every yeah. business owner I know, <laughs> like I talked to one of my clients who's a marketing person yesterday and he's like, yeah, we're starting to do our own marketing like next week. And I was like, well, this is all of our struggle, right? Like, (laughs) I know so many things, but it's like, I don't take the time to do it in my own business a lot Mm -hmm. of the time, right? Because we're so focused on our client. We're so focused on whatever. Um, And we can't see our own stuff a lot of the time. I do find, you know, like someone to point something out in my business, I'll be like, yes, right. (laughs) I would have seen that in somebody else's, but I didn't see that in mine. Mm -hmm. Um, so, So talk about what lean is, because I think Probably people who've never worked in corporate don't probably know what that is. Um, I kind of know what it is because my husband's always been in corporate, so I kind of have a better idea. But so why don't you talk about the lean method? Yeah, absolutely. So lean really is just all about focused on uh, value and quality Mm -hmm. and eliminating waste. Mm -hmm. So lean, it's truly like leaning out is eliminating all of the waste in your business. Um, And you really want to get to a place where you're producing a really high quality product. You want to make sure that it's a very value add product for your customer. So it's a very customer centric um, business model. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, you know, in eliminating that waste, as a business owner, and one of the things that I help people with is kind of getting, you know, not getting to the point of burnout and having a business that can have that long-term sustainable success because you don't just have so much going on where you feel like you need to put out fires all the time because you have a lot of clarity around what are those things that are actually important, the things that are driving the profits, adding the value, and then really truly just unapologetically cutting out everything else. I love that. I just, I love that. (laughs) It's important, yeah. It's hard to do, and I always go back to accounting firms that literally do like everything from like you know, sales tax to payroll to you know, resolution to like they literally do everything. And I'm always so exhausted for them, like, I'm exhausted for me, and we already have like a lean service offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just and I don't you know, what is the value add, right? Like, and I always ask, like, what's the value add of payroll? Yep. You know, like, then somebody has to be there also. Like, how does that fit long-term into mm-hmm. your goal? So, um, so, so, um, so talk to me of like some, pra- like I just gave one, but give me some practical examples of, um, of leaning out, like, in a business, you could just pick an industry. Um, you know, like I'm sure certain industries are always like, you got to cut this and that and this, and you know, which ones of these do you really want to kind of want? 
we can even talk about jewelry since that's a big one for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll start with, so I'll, I'm, I'm getting to your, your answer, but that's a right. little story. <laughs> no worries. I love stories. <laughs> so when you think about when you start a business, um, I call that early stage an emerging stage. I know mm-hmm. a lot of other people call it startup, but the nature of that stage of business is that you say yes to all the things mm-hmm. and you're typically trying to be all the things to all the people because you're trying to find product market fit and you're trying to find that place where you're profitable. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the next stage, which is the grow stage, to me, that's where the leaning out really comes in and becomes important. And so now to answer your question, um, usually what's happened is you've developed a lot of different offers Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of different offers or products and you're making them for a lot of different people. And I think when you get into that grow stage and you start leaning out, you've got to get really clear on what's your core offer. What's that thing that you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. who's your ideal target market? And you've got to cut a lot of those other programs and products because what happens is if you're not really known for something, people don't know to go to you or people, it doesn't stick, right? You don't have customers who are sticky. They'll come, maybe they'll buy a product or something, but then they leave. Mm -hmm. You want to be the go-to person for something. And so that's an example of leaning out is really just looking at all of your different product offerings or all of your different services and say, what is it that you actually do and what can you get off your plate? It ends up making running your business a lot easier because you have fewer things to promote. Um, You can get much more targeted and highly, you know, targeted in your, your uh, marketing message and everything that you're doing. And it just makes the user experience so much better. They know exactly what to expect from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the example that you had given before with a company that does so many things, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you actually, or usually what I see is you actually get better results and better profitability, the more narrow your focus is. The broader it is, you feel like you're attracting more customers or you're making more things available to people, but you actually spread things so thin that you don't see the same level of profit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, it, it, it's, it's a recipe for overwhelm. Like, you, mm-hmm. and I, you know, right before we started, you know, I haven't been in the best headspace the last, you know, week or two. And you and I were kind of talking about like everybody, everything just kind of feels extra pressurized right now. Um, and I'm overwhelmed by like what we offer and it's really not all that much, you know? And it's just, it's really hard. I think as a business owner, especially when you're like, most of us are helpers. Mm-hmm. Right. Most of us are, you know, we want to help people. We want to, you know, whatever we're really good at, we want to help them do what they do. Um, and so it's really hard to say no to some of this stuff sometimes because you know that it might help them in some way, but it, you also know you probably aren't the best person to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I find as a CPA. A lot of the time people think I'm a financial advisor. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm, you know, I'm all these different things. And I'm always like, guys, I got people for this. Mm-hmm. Like, I can recommend enough to be dangerous or give you an idea of something to like give you an idea of what it is and why it might be good fit for you. But we really need to bring the experts in on this because I'm an expert at tax mitigation and mm-hmm. proper tax plan compliance and proper tax compliance. I'm not an expert in legal you know, entities selection and stuff like that, especially state to state. Nope, not judging it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's, I think that's kind of the pitfall we fall into is we feel like we need to be the expert in everything mm-hmm. that might touch our business. So how do you help people like figure out what it is that thing, you know, what, it, you know, what they offer? I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of us is, you know, what is it that we want to offer? Yeah. So I have something that I've developed. I call it the PPV matrix and it's mm-hmm. passion, profit, value. Mm-hmm. 
And I always tell people to look, you want all of your offers to be in the sweet spot in the middle. Mm -hmm. And if you think about each of them on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being, you know, the the best, you really want things that are close to a 30 or that are a 30. Mm -hmm. And anything that's not a 30, there's room for improvement. So what I typically do with clients is I tell them to sit down, do a really objective, honest look at all of the offers that they have in their business and Mm -hmm. run it through a series of questions. And so when I think about passion, it's, it kind of goes back to some of what you just said, right? It's like, is it actually aligned with your zone of genius? Mm-hmm. Is this something that you have deep passion for, you're kind of uniquely skilled and equipped to do, mm-hmm. and does it align with the long-term vision that you see for your business and for yourself? So those are some of the questions that I ask around passion. Profit is how much profit does it generate for the business, but you have to look at that from a return on investment. So if you have two different offers that are $1,000, one takes you almost no time to deliver. The other takes you a ton of time to deliver. It's not the same amount of profit. Mm-hmm. And so you have to really objectively look at that and say, what's your profitability from an ROI perspective? Um, and then value is what does your customer um, perceive the value to be in what you do? It's not how valuable you think they should think it is, because often we think it's the most valuable thing on earth. Mm-hmm. I thought that with some of the jewelry that I designed early on that's still collecting dust downstairs in my basement. Um, <laughs> but it's what does your customer actually see the value in? And sometimes, you know, if you really look at those, that helps you with a, from a lean perspective of what to focus on next. You're like, you know, this is a highly profitable product. I'm super passionate about it. Totally aligns with where I see my business in the future, but customers just aren't really investing in it. Well, you've got a value problem mm-hmm. and it might be a perception problem. Maybe you need to describe it or position it differently, or maybe there's something missing that you really need to focus on. And on the flip side, if you have something customers rave about, they absolutely love it. It aligns passion, but it's not driving the right profit for the business. Well, you probably have a pricing problem or you're, there's something that's not adding up. Mm-hmm. And so if you run things through those filters, it does make it really obvious and it takes some of the um you know we love our things we have personal attachment to all of the things that we've created they're the best thing ever because we created them right because it came from our brain we burst it from our brain sting it exactly it makes it objective and it makes you able to take a look at it kind of outside yourself Mm -hmm. to then make some decisions about what to do and it's either cut the things that aren't performing well enough or invest the time to actually increase, you know, whichever areas aren't as, you know, as high on that score of one to 10 as you would like. That's really interesting. Um, So in that method, so you just basically described it. So you would just have everybody just basically just, they just write down everything they do. And it's like, and then we kind of go through the matrix, like why, you know, do I like to do this? Am I really good at this? Why am I really good at this? Um, am I actually profitable at doing this? And do people actually value it? And I think that that third piece is the hardest piece, the value piece, right? Because you're mm-hmm. totally right. Like people might see value in like payroll offerings. We don't do that. I've never done that. I want nothing to do with it. Um, and, but I don't see how that's valuable, <laughs> right? It's just more compliance for us to handle. Um, when there's plenty of people or plenty of companies that just do that, Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd rather they do it. And especially with all the CARES Act and all that stuff and the deferred tax stuff, I am so happy we don't do payroll because I would have to be doubling all of my fees right now on all of my clients for all of this stuff. 
<laughs> you know, there's just so much extra compliance this year um, mm-hmm. through payroll. And I don't know how people are going, like payroll businesses are going to survive. I just, I don't know. But obviously we can't see pandemics coming down the pipe. <laughs> yeah. I told somebody that the other day. I'm like, I couldn't have built this into your service package if I had wanted to. <laughs> nope. I don't even think people had uh, this in their like, you know, worst case scenario writers for <laughs> corporations. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, because we're dealing with PPP alone stuff. So, you know, in this situation, especially I think at accountants and certain industries right now who, that have basically been slammed with additional compliance stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard because we want to take care of our clients. Yeah. Um, but I've spent maybe 40 to 50 hours on CPE on just like PPP stuff. <laughs> and so I'm just like, yeah, I'm charging you for this. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's just, it's so hard. But I think that's a good example, honestly, of mm-hmm. why you want to keep your business lean because you had all these things that came at you this year that you probably were never planning on. Mm-hmm. And if you were completely maxed out at capacity, you were working 80 hours a week, you weren't mm-hmm. sleeping, right? Like you wouldn't be able to even fit that in or take that on. Yeah. And so by running your business in a really smart way, <laughs> you could address that and you could do that for your clients, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, some tax returns went on, like when they extended the deadline, I was like, okay, well, we're focused on PPP loans right now. But then there's like accountants coming out of the woodwork and like some of my forums, like, what is this PPP, PPP loan stuff? And I'm like, where have y'all been? You know, like, I'm actually very concerned for their clients, right? Because they have no guidance on this, you know? Um, and the rapid fire of guidance that comes out that makes sense or doesn't make sense or, you know, applies to this client, but doesn't apply to that client. Like, how do you pivot on that stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not, yeah. I mean, we have a small amount of clients, thankfully, <laughs> this is my, this is my model um, because it's also made it easier to mm-hmm. know because I have relationships with all of them, who needs what or who I need to reach out to or who we need to check in with. That's made it so much easier because if we had thousands of just tax clients, how would we even know? You know, I guess the phone would just be ringing off. No. <laughs> I'm an intruder. I don't answer the phone. <laughs> um, so let's talk about how, um, how leaning out helps growth and sustainability. So we kind of already talked about that. So, you know, some examples of like, because we kind of run on, you know, we don't do absolutely every potential thing we could potentially do with CPAs over here. You know, we have the ability to pivot. So how does, you know, give us some examples of like growth and sustainability in a business when they are really very focused on their service offerings. Yeah, absolutely. So once you kind of know what you're known for, right? So your Mm -hmm. customers know what to come to you for, you've got your core offers, um, you've got that perfect mix of the passion profit value. So you know that the offers that you have are things that your customers actually want, and they're driving true profitability for your business. That's when you can really start to think about, to me, there's room and opportunity for leaning out in that growth stage to really start to systematize what you do. Mm -hmm. And so you want to start doing the things that to me are super sexy, but to some people (laughs) 
definitely aren't. And it's looking at your processes and looking at where you have extra waste in the system or where you could automate things. Mm -hmm. It's starting to build your team um, if you don't already have one so that you can focus on those things that, you know, are more your zone of genius work and you can bring people into focus in their own <laughs> zone of genius um, and to start to get some things off your plate as well so that you can focus more on strategy and vision and things along those lines because the next stage after growth is scaling and you're going to need to really be all in and focused on uh, those very strategic things in order to scale effectively. And so you need to start surrounding yourself with a team which leans out your schedule um, and then, you know, brings other people in. But a lot of that comes with getting your processes and your systems in place because you can usually find opportunities to cut a lot of time, to cut a lot of money um, that you're spending on things by doing that. And so, well, again, I, I know am, a lot of people don't love that, but I, I'm a, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I'm all about processes and systems <laughs> to the point where we have too many, probably. <laughs> um, you know, I'm all about that because it just, you know, it helps with quality work, right? It helps people know what needs to happen. And we have a distributed virtual team. So, like, it gives people the ability to be like, well, what's next? Well, you have checklists, you have processes. I made a bunch of videos. Like, knowing what to do and how to do it is so like it just gives people this autonomy right to do their jobs and then also to use their brains instead of being worried about how they do the task right um and so when I find and like when people do kind of find that zone of genius or they I like that zone of genius I'm going to be using that one from here on out um but they just kind of find more of a groove when like they know that if they're, they have a question or if they you know they need an answer a lot of the time it's already there because then they can just go do their work. Um, and they can use their brains then because things are more automated and then you get to actually not spend your brain power on the little things, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting too, because when you take the time to actually document your processes, mm -hmm. you all of a sudden find a lot more opportunities to lean things out because all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're like, why do I do this? <laughs> why do I do this this way? We don't even need to do this. And then from your customer's perspective, when you've got really clearly defined processes and systems and you have your team trained, you know, in the way that you just described, mm -hmm. it makes the user experience really consistent. They don't get something different if they get an email from you versus somebody on your team versus somebody else. And it, when you have that all really streamlined, even one, one thing they purchase to the next thing they purchase, usually there's more consistency in it. So mm -hmm. it just, it does help actually grow your business because it gives you that really consistent, nice customer experience on top of all of the other benefits. Yeah. Um, and we're going to geek out on this for a few minutes just because this is my thing. Um, what do you say, like, how do you suggest people do, you know, do their processes? Like, what are the kind of the first steps? And then, you know, how do they, how do they automate or like, how do you help, you know, how do, what are your steps for, for process documentation? Cause I, I'm curious, I have some tips too, but. Yeah. So I use two different tools. Um, so I use OneNote. I'm a big OneNote fan. I love having, I'm not a big fan of like multiple different Word documents. I like having the all-in-one tool. So we have what's called our playbook, right? It's kind of like your SOP, um, which is in OneNote for anything that's written in very step-by-step -step documented. Um, but I also use a tool called Miro. 
and I love Miro and it's basically like a digital whiteboard. I'm a big sticky note person, mm -hmm. right? And so I build out all of my process flows very visually mm -hmm. at a high level um, in Miro. So the team can see it, I can see it. We know the steps, we know the sequence, we know what needs to happen. Um, even from a content management perspective, I've got everything very nicely mapped out. Um, even being featured on podcasts, I've mm -hmm. got a process flow for that and exactly how that all goes so that we make sure that you know my team is the one that promotes the episode when they publish. Mm -hmm. So they understand exactly how things flow and what to do. But then all the detailed steps that go underneath that, that I do in OneNote. Um, because it's that nice, you just have to go to one place, you can see everything, it's nicely organized. Mm -hmm. And I usually will take that process flow and put a screen grab of it um, inside the, the OneNote. So you see it all in one place. I love that. So we use Google Docs. Um, mm -hmm. So Google Docs has a slides, like, was it slides or... There's an option for flowcharts. Mm, so very similar to Miro. Like, mm -hmm. so we do the flowcharts, and then within those flowcharts, we have we link the checklists from Google Drive. So it'll be just like a Google Doc. Um, and then I can put I'll put videos into the folder. So I we have like a I have a you know instructions by app. You know I'm st we're still I'm still I'm all about this, and I'm consistently redoing it because <laughs> I'm all about processes and systems. But I mapped out our onboarding system not too long ago, and we brought on a solution that literally cut out 75% of it. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, shout out to Practice Ignition. This is not sponsored. I just love them. Um, but it does everything. So it's proposal, it's engagement, it's payment, and it's done. And then it automates our, um, our next or into our um, project management software, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, on, the onboarding and then any one-off um, projects. So if it's a recurring, you have to go in and do that manually, but it already, and then it already like creates some of our projects for us um, in the system and in, in our project man management system. So it literally got out 70% because we were doing everything in Adobe and we were creating them in Word and then we were just sending them and then the client was signing them and then we had to get payment and we had to enter payment. And it was just a whole thing, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and it was like a literally like a three hour deal. So now we just quote and practice ignition and they can say yes or no and pay. And then it just, that kicks off another, you know, system, which I need to figure out Zapier. That's on my list of things to do this year. Um, because there's a lot of other options for automation through, you know, a lot of stuff we, we use works through Xavier, but mm -hmm. you have to map it out first to know what you're missing in automation. And that's what I always tell people. You don't need anything fancy. If you want to just draw it on a piece of paper, that's fine too. But a visual representation of your workflow is extremely helpful. And then if you have project management software, you can just take that and enter it into the project manage so software so people can check off the boxes and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, we, we do that too for the things that we do on repeat. I do mm -hmm. have custom boards that we just, we copy paste, right? So we've got the template and we just replicate it after we've done it for that particular week or I month. It. I love it. I love it. We also use Trello. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Emily, maybe she manages the podcast at Trello. Um, mm -hmm. So she has her own little, she's got her board set up workflow stuff um, for the podcast. Um, and thankfully I have Emily because she's like automated the scheduling. She's automated, you know, she's done, we've done all this stuff to just automate this process 
um, because she will eventually probably leave me. (laughs) And I'm like, please make sure this is handoffable because I really don't know what you're doing on the back end over here. Um, I just know things show up on my calendar and then I show up. So, um, so how do you, so I guess one of my questions though, on the lean, you know, if you, if I say, Hey, I'm just going to focus on, I have a a friend who doesn't, they just do hair. Literally that's all they do. Um, what if you pick wrong? Like, what if you pick the wrong offering? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you, like, how do you change it? You know, I think one of the things, like one of my big fears with niching was that I was going to pick the wrong niche. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought about it for way too long. But I picked the right one. So, <laughs> you know, what happens if you pick the wrong one? So let's talk about that because I know that was, that was something for me because it's like, I really want to put all my eggs in a basket, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm really prepared for that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so we'll talk about the emerging stage for a moment mm-hmm. here because yeah. emerging is, I think, where people are first experimenting with trying to figure out what their, what their niche is, right? Mm-hmm. And so something that I always tell everybody to start with is I think it's so incredibly important. I do this with my Fortune 50 clients. I do this with my solopreneurs. Always need to know where you're going, right? So start with vision Mm -hmm. and not vision statement, but like actually casting that vision of the future and looking at, I always um, recommend they do three different facets. So you look at where you see your business in the future. Um, You look at where you see yourself and your lifestyle and how that fits into it. Because a lot of times people have a vision for their life and a vision for the business and the two do not add up. (laughs) Um, And so you want to make sure that you're thinking holistically about that. And then the third really important piece of this is what's the vision for your customer? So what is your customer five, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, however far in the future as you're looking, what is it that they're going to want from you? What is it that they're going to need from you? Mm -hmm. Um, And what do you envision their kind of journey being like? And if you can start with that and you can start to look at, here's kind of this future um, that I see across all three facets, I think it helps you with your niching a bit because it helps you to know if you're looking at the right thing. Now, you might not know exactly which niche is going to be the right one. And it's possible that you pick the wrong one the first time and you pivot, but you always want to make sure that it aligns, right? Is that ideal target customer, like, and what they're going to want from you that you're seeing in the future, is that the person you're actually focused on right now or not? Mm-hmm. And if it's not, that should be eye-opening, right? You might want to start to make some changes or think about, is it a stepping stone to working with that person? Maybe you can't work with that person today. So are you working with the right person today that's going to get you there? Mm-hmm. Um, and the same with just, you know, as you think about what you're going to do mm-hmm. and your niche, does it fit your lifestyle, right? Are you more the empire builder? Or are you more the, the laptop <laughs> lifestyle type of person? Mm-hmm. Make sure that the offers that you're putting out there and the niches that you're picking align with that because certain niches align with different things. Um, and so again, you just, I think you can't look at business in isolation. I think you do have to look holistically in order to build something that's gonna last. And typically any niche that you pick that does align with that long-term vision, that next level vision usually is okay. And then you're just gonna learn and you might make small pivots, but usually you're not completely off unless you just, you know, don't have the right target market at all, yeah. um, or you're trying to do something because you think you can make money off of it, mm-hmm. but it's not actually aligned with what you want to do and where you see yourself and what your zone of genius is, right? I love that. <laughs> That's so true. Um, you know, or I'll see people pick niches just because they've worked in them before. 
Mm-hmm. Like, but you don't work there anymore for a reason, probably. <laughs> right. Did you enjoy right? it? Is this what yeah. you actually want to do? Or are you but, just so uh, desperate to start a business? You're like, well, I'll just do this. Yeah. Like, I think you do need to put some real thought into it because this is what you're going to potentially do for the rest of your life. Like right. make it the right, the, the right thing. It doesn't mean it's going to work perfectly what you pick today, but it should be something you're really excited about and you want to um, do because people are going to feel that excitement and passion and energy, and it's going to make them want to work with you. Mm-hmm. And they will also feel it if you're just doing it because you think you should, and <laughs> you're not really, really behind it. Yeah. Um, we picked our niche about a year ago. Um, or I finally, finally picked an niche about a year ago. Um, and it really kind of was an epiphany from a, from a colleague of mine. And I was like, oh, and I love, I love this niche. I love the people in the niche. I love what I'm learning in the niche. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. I love where it's going <laughs> because it's really very parallel to accounting firms. Um, so it's just very interesting, but also familiar mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's growth and how it works. Um, and it's fun. Like I am having so much fun in this niche, you know, meeting people and getting to hang out with people and, you know, just doing what I do, which is try to, you know, just give people value and try to help out. Um, but it's just so fun because it's just a very rapidly evolving niche and it's really, really locked up with accounting, which is another one of my fashions. It's how do we grow better accounting firms? So it's just really fun. <laughs> That's great. And I think you just highlighted something that I think happens too, is sometimes niches emerge, mm-hmm. right? And so you don't have to know exactly going in, just make sure you're working with people that align with that vision. And it's okay in the beginning to work with, kind of go wide, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to go wide with things that aren't in alignment, but as long as what you're doing is well called directionally correct, mm-hmm. then it's okay to go wide because your niche is going to emerge. You're going to be like, you know what? These customers, if you think of 80-20, like these 20% of customers are truly the ones I like working with most or there's this new opportunity that I hadn't even thought about and I want to try this. And so I think it's okay to not have it all figured out. You just need to start and make sure that you're directionally, directionally aligned. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think what I found, you know, just not picking an edge is I found all the people that I really don't want more of. Like I'm really good with like one of you, mm-hmm. you know, like there's certain industries that are just been like, this just doesn't really work with my personality and where I want to go and all of that. Um, but then you figure that out too. And I think you said directionally. And I think once you figure those things out, you kind of like, you change your direction. It's like, okay, well, it's not these people, you know, or it's not this industry that I'm really interested in. Um, mine actually came for a full circle. So we work with women owned veterinary and dental clinics. Mm. Um, and I actually grew up like my mom worked in, in medical um, and I actually grew up in medical, like I grew up in a doctor's office is where I went after school every day. <laughs> uh, cause she ran a doctor's office and I was diagnosing people when I was six and it's just a whole thing. Like I've always been kind of medically inclined and just very interested in it, which COVID is very, very fascinating for me. Um, and it just works because I may not be a veterinarian or a dentist, but I do tend to know more than the average Joe. So it's really just kind of helpful for me to have that basic knowledge mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of go back to kind of those roots of, you know, going, going to my, my mom's daughter's office every day, <laughs> you know, 
where she, you know, she ran a doctor's office and that's where I was. And I'd walk into the doctor's office after school every day. <laughs> yeah. So that's something you're uniquely, uh, yeah. uniquely positioned for, right? Yeah. And I didn't even think about it until somebody was like, what about this? And I was like, oh, that's kind of perfect. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, I've always been really comfortable in medical setting or whatever. Um, so it just really worked out for us. Um, and I just love it. It's really fun. Um, all right. So how has the pandemic changed business? Like, what are you seeing? Um, you know, for, 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 for the good and for the bad, I guess, you know, we're just kind of giving some, some points on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and how, how is it going to be changing business going forward? You know, what, what are we doing to kind of grasp that so that we're better on the back end for, you know, your clients or people you're helping or really just kind of business in general? Yeah. So it's interesting because a lot of the businesses that I work with are online businesses and some of them weren't negatively impacted or mm-hmm. they actually ended up having better um, better success during this time, I think because so many people were home. But some of the businesses that I work with, they're actually brick and mortar businesses mm-hmm. and really impacted when all of a sudden you have to shut your spa down and nobody can come in. Right. And so what I found, especially for those businesses, is it ended up fast tracking some of their diversification. And I think in business in general, no matter what you do, it's always good to have some bit of diversification. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket in case something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they ended up taking and getting really creative. They used it as an opportunity to lean things out, right? It's, I think one thing, one of the benefits of COVID is it makes you really, uh, look at, do I really want this in my business? And so they made some changes and actually cut some things that they'd been wanting to cut anyway. They had the opportunity to do it while their doors were closed. Um, But they also started to do some stuff digitally um, and started to, you know, the one business that I consult with in particular, um, it's a spa and the person who runs it is also a nurse. And so she's been a nurse for many, many years. So she started offering kind of a health consultation that she's able to do with people where what she prescribes locally is people doing the services at her spa, but she can do that for absolutely anybody and they could go to their own local spa and take care of that. She also added home elements of right now when you can't go to a spa, here's some things that you can do at home. And so it was very health wellness oriented with her nursing background so she could legally do this and ended up being a really, really smart way for her to approach her business and something I'd been encouraging her to do anyway, that all of a sudden kind of fast tracked. Mm -hmm. So I've seen a lot of innovation, which I really love seeing when you have no other choices. Sometimes it's amazing what you come up with. Um, And then I've seen other businesses just have great results. Mm -hmm. Because we're all home shopping. (laughs) I will tell you my jewelry sales more than doubled during COVID. People just are buying jewelry like crazy. And I have a 90-day planner. My planner sales doubled also. So it's, and I did nothing different, no special ads, no special promotions, nothing. I think it's just the nature of people being home. (laughs) Well, I started knitting. So I now have tubs full of yarn. (laughs) Like for a while there, you could even like order yarn. Like it was weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, Like some of the bigger yarn stores didn't have anything. Amazon was out of yarn. Oh yeah, like the puzzle industry. I mean, <laughs> they uh, they had a great experience during this year. The puzzle industry, right? An industry that's just like, what is going on? Like yeah. they, I, 
I'm sure they were just completely blindsided by that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because yep. they're like, we have our yearly sales of puzzles. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like literally probably the same every single year. <laughs> yep. It's, yeah. I mean, some businesses just took off like crazy. Other businesses obviously had a really rough impact. And yeah. hopefully they are able to recover and hopefully they were able to creatively diversify like my one client that I mentioned did. Yeah. And I think that's been the, and I've said this like a thousand times on the podcast so far, but watching our clients pivot um, and change things and implement things that I've been like for the longest time wanting them to implement or like, mm -hmm. guys, can we just do online stuff? Like, you know, like it's been so fun to watch them thrive or not even just thrive, but just be like, okay, well, got to do the thing, you know, sink or swim. It's just mm -hmm. been so fun to watch to watch our clients do that because those are the resilient businesses that are going to last mm -hmm. for this um, and come out better on the back end, right? So your spa client, um, who is a nurse, who is now prescribing spa stuff, she's pre-booking probably, right? So and now that her doors are back open. As soon as she's open, right? Yeah. They're pre-booking. And I talked to therapists and you're just different people and I was like do the telehealth now right and if you can't like there's something that needs to happen like in veterinary like usually you have to have blood work done I was like you can do everything but blood work mm -hmm. and then schedule it and have them come in and get the blood work done it's like a twofer you know and then you make your next appointment while you're while they're there and they can decide if they want to do online or whatever I was like we have so many options of implementing online pharmacy, of implementing telehealth, on just taking video of things for people. Um, it's just been so interesting to see how really, you know, and, and you talked about emerging, but like those early adopters and stuff that the early adopters have been like, we've been telling you about this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And like our laggers are just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, so many things we have to do and know and all the things, but it really has accelerated innovation, mm -hmm. um, which has been really interesting for the businesses. Um, I kind of want to talk about the stress aspect because that's something you and I were talking about earlier. Um, there just seems to be kind of a pressure cooker right now. Um, I've been in a bad head headspace um, just kind of the last couple of weeks. I think with school starting, it's been a whole mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> so let's kind of talk about that and how we build a business that allows for that. Right. Because a lot of us could be running like crazy in our businesses and have mm -hmm. this pressure cooker. Um, so let's kind of talk about why, why is lean so important in a situation like, you know, maybe a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, you are right though. I've noticed with all of my clients and even myself personally mm -hmm. lately, it seems that there's an intensity mm -hmm. that wasn't before. Not that this whole year has not been stressful and, you know, filled with challenges, but right now there just seems to be a, a real intensity. And so a lot of my clients are coming to me to say, I just, you know, I, I need some help with this. And so there's something that I do with my clients all the time that I recommend people do, and it's called the time pie. And so think of like a pie chart mm -hmm. um, where you're basically looking at what are all those different things that are important to you? Mm -hmm. So how much time are you going to actually allocate to each of them? So your business is one facet of what you do, but there's obviously other facets as well. And you have to make some decisions and some important decisions about 
are you actually going to create space for things other than your business that are important to you? Mm-hmm. And for long-term sustainable success, you absolutely have to, right? And so I always tell people, you know, kind of figure that out, figure out what you're going to do. Um, but then when you take that time pie down to just what you're doing in your business, and you look at, let's say that you have an eight-hour day, you know, what what are you actually going to focus on? What are those things that are truly the activities that are driving profit, adding value? What's the noise and stuff that can either get completely leaned out and cut or delegated to somebody else on your team as you're building your team out? But the most important thing that you need to do that I think most people don't do is you need to have space in your schedule. Mm-hmm. And you need to have space in your days, you need to have space in your weeks, you need to have space in your months, your your years, right? Mm-hmm. And what most people will say is, I've got eight hours to work today, I'm going to schedule 10 hours worth of stuff. And what you really need to do is, I have eight hours to work today, I'm going to schedule four to six hours worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. And things come up and there's times like this where things are just really intense. And even if we're working the same number of hours, maybe we're not as productive or as focused just because of everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And you have to leave that space in that room for the things that are unexpected or just to simply be able to make those little micro pivots and changes that have a really big impact on your business. Mm -hmm. And so I see a lot of people not even carving out time for their business. They just have a list, you know, 10 miles long to do, and they just work until they're exhausted Mm -hmm. and, you know, shut down and then pick up the next day and start over. They don't do things with intentionality, but even those who do, they tend to way over allocate themselves and not create space for, for those things that are are just going to happen. And it's never the things you expect. It's always, you you need the space for like the unknown unknowns. Mm -hmm. Like the kid coming home after being in school for an hour today, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, we, oh my gosh, we're in two different school districts now. We had to change schools for my daughter. It was just a whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it still kind of is. Cause it's like, I still don't know which way is up in the school district or at the school. Like I'm still like at 10 and sixes all the time. I'm like, I have no idea. I think as a business owner, one of the biggest lessons I ever learned and you said it earlier was you can't do 10 hours of things in eight hours. Um, most people can't do six hours of things in eight hours and mm-hmm. nor should you. And right. I think that's the biggest, my biggest take on being a business owner is you could work 10 hour days. You could work 20 hour days, but why, you know, and what are you doing in that time? Um, and that's why I always like, I just do high level every day and I pick a goal. Like I have one thing I have to get done and I'm really bad because a lot of times I'll pick two Um, and my coach gets mad at me, but like I've learned very well that if I have stuff scheduled through that day, like if I have more than two or three meetings, I really am not getting anything else done because that's just, that's all, that's all the energy and extroverting I have in my life, you know, and I might just be done after that last one. Um, or if I have a podcast that day, you know, it, I have to get ready. I have to do my makeup. I have to, you know, prep. I have to, you know, that's all at least an hour, you mm-hmm. know, and then plus the podcast. So we're looking at two to potentially three hours mm-hmm. of prep and stuff and whatever. And it's like, it looks like an hour, <laughs> but it's not. Um, and really kind of giving yourself the grace as a business owner to like, be okay with the baby steps. That's the biggest takeaway for me is if I can make baby steps every day or every week, if I can look back on my week and say, yes, I actually did something on my list of things to make my business better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or I did something to help our clients make their businesses better. 
it was a good week. It was a win. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, again, it's harder in this like this pressure time. Yeah, I don't know if it's fires, school, or it's all of this stuff. We're talking about the fires on the West Coast. They're, the West Coast is on fire right now at time mm-hmm. at this time of. Um, you know, we had a fire here in Colorado, and just everything just feels kind of apocalypsy. Extra apocalypsy right now here <laughs> in early September. <laughs> this whole year has been apocalypsy, but like this beginning of September, I don't even know what's going on right now. And it snowed here this week <laughs> again. It just everything kind of feels kind of apocalypsy. <laughs> yeah, the intensity is at an all-time high. <laughs> I know, and I don't. I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's pending election and all the other stuff going on. Who knows? But it's just been a lot. Um, you know, as a business owner, I try to give my clients grace. <laughs> it's my personal grace. The, you know, it's always our own personal grace. That's the problem. All right. So I kind of want it. So it was on your website and I just, can you talk about, you have a course on how to create a planner, like a 90 day planner journal, or what is the other option? Mm-hmm. Workbook. Yes. Let's <laughs> the talk. <PWJ. laughs> I love that. So let's talk about you know, so that's something you teach. So let's talk about why you teach that. Um, and, you know, you said diversification. So I'm, I'm assuming it has something to do with that. But, mm-hmm. you know, what are some of the best businesses for that? And, you know, why, you know, obviously it's probably something people have asked you to do. You have your own 90 day planner. You know, why would a business owner want, you know, because most people are like, you have to write a book. Maybe it's not a book. Maybe it's something else. So let's talk. I want you to talk about that. Yeah, I have um, a quote that I say all the time, which is the planner is the new book. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's still a ton of value in books. And I will be writing a book at some point right now. It's penciled in for 2022. Um, but that being said, so, you know, I talked earlier about when you get in that growth stage, you want to lean out and you want to get really focused on what you do and what you're known for and what your core offers are. Well, when you get into the scale stage or when you're in the growth stage and you're starting to think about scaling, one of the things that you typically do is you add more, you add more offers. Mm-hmm. You either add more target markets or you add more offers and that's a way that you scale. And so what you don't want to do is confuse your clients and end up, you know, you were known for A, now all of a sudden you're doing B. And so uh, a PWJ, I call it, which is, stands for planner, workbook, or journal, is a really good way to scale and to diversify, but using your core offer. Mm-hmm. So that core thing that you're known for, either your signature method or your signature program, mm-hmm. or just that thing um, that people associate with you, you can add another revenue stream that ends up fitting in with that really well. And you can use it as two different things. So you could use it as a customer acquisition strategy mm-hmm. to get new people aware of your brand. It usually ends up being the top of your funnel. It's like the first thing that people end up investing in. Um, or it can be an Ascension strategy. And it may be something that you don't even sell. It's something you gift to your existing clients. Um, but in both cases, whether you're attracting new clients or you're gifting something to your existing clients so that they get better results and they're actually putting into action the things that they're learning in your program or working with you one-on-one, mm-hmm. you always are ascending people. 
And so it's not about the sale of the planner workbook or journal. Like, yes, you will make profit off of that. And it's a nice extra revenue stream for your business, but it's about the next step that you want that person to take. And usually they would ascend into one of your higher end offers. So it's a really quick and smart way for people to be able to scale their business without adding a lot of complexity or adding something completely new and different. It's kind of taking something that's already working really well in their business and amplifying and optimizing it. I love it. I don't know if you can see my wheels turning right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because I pushed back on the book stuff because I am just not a writer. I'm just not. I'm Mm -hmm. not a writer. I will crank out a blog every once in a while or link to an article and it's crap. Generally, you know, the APA is crap. It's all crap. Um, It's just straight out of my head. (laughs) You know, I can't, I'm just not a writer. Um, so this is very intriguing for me because I, you know, we, we all do like the 10 things or the seven things or whatever as a lead magnet, but my focus is always on action items, you know, so mm-hmm. all of our monthly clients that we do projects and budgets and projections and budgets and, you know, week monthly meetings with, I always have action items. Mm-hmm. I was handing them, here's the four things you really need to work on this month. And a lot of the time it's just like, what is your next hire? Start like figuring that out. Um, or I really need you to watch this video and stop entering AP like that. You know, like it's just a few things, but on a monthly basis, it'd be really nice for somebody to like have a place to write that down. Like we hand it to them in our CRM with reminders and all the stuff. But if they had a place to write that. So now you've got my wheels turning and we're going to talk again. Because I have that. <laughs> it's uh, such a, yeah, it's such a good idea because you could take that and turn it into a planner for them or a mm-hmm. workbook for them. Mm-hmm. But not only will they be taking action and doing the things you want them to do, right? So it makes your life easier. Right. It makes their life better because they're getting the results. But they also have your brand on their desk that they're using every single day. So they have like a constant reminder of you, which is, it's a really powerful thing for your business. I love this. A lot. <laughs> and I have lots of ideas now and you just added <laughs> a massive project to my list. Um, but I just love this because especially, you know, in the veterinary, I have a lot of people in veterinary and we could even build out something that helps, mm-hmm. you know, in all these facets, right? I, so yep. I have a friend, I have a, I have a consultant that does um, culture consulting. Mm-hmm. Like, he might have input on this and like we could just kind of build out something that is just really kind of comprehensive business mm-hmm. building stuff which is what's fun for all of us right oh, yeah. as watching our customers thrive which is what's fun for me exactly. um all right thank you so much for your time today before i ask my last question uh, where is the easiest place for people to find you yeah leanoutmethod.com um that is the place you will find all the things um, as well as links to, you know, join me for some of the, the free trainings that I do and, and everything else I have out there. I love it. I love it. I love it. And we're going to talk again. Um, so my final question for you today is uh, what is the one thing most business owners are missing when it comes to growth? That is such a good question. So Honestly, I think that when it comes to growth, people are too afraid to lean out. (laughs) And I think that it it keeps them overworked and it keeps them overwhelmed and it actually keeps them from the success and the sustainability in business that they really want. 
And so I would say really do think about what is, think about your next level vision, right? Think about what is it that you see in the future? What do you want to be known for? Um, And really focus in on that. Like just pick a lane and focus and get really clear um, for your customer's benefit as well as for your own benefit um, in what you do and who you do it for. And I think that really that is the key to successfully growing. And once you have that, you can then scale. But if you're still trying to be all the things to all the people and you're still saying yes to absolutely everything, you're going to have a really hard time ever moving out of that growth stage. That's so good. I find that very true. I mean, I, I find that in my own business and I feel like we're a leaner than a lot of accounting firms, um, but I'm still it's hard to grow when you're everything to everybody or you're doing mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff that people really don't value. Um, and I just think you thought that's actually really good um, and very true because growth can't happen when you're scared of being more overwhelmed, which is, you know, one of the things I deal with the most in my business. I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. No, I'm not. Cause I have a thousand emails that I still haven't gotten to today. <laughs> Mm-hmm. right and that's where it's just like that's where the head stuff comes in but it's also you know that's probably the first indication that it's time to cut some more stuff mm-hmm. you know because payroll and sales tax and all that really isn't valuable to anybody <laughs> hand it over <laughs> you tell people hand it to the people who do that thing yes uh, let them deal with it um and then it's a lot less headache for everybody usually on the back end <laughs> Awesome. Krista, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.